Welcome into the Fight HQ podcast. We're here to talk about UFC Nashville. Goes down there tomorrow night there in Nashville, Tennessee. Of course, I am Jason Ford. As always, I am joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. We're here to break this fight card down for you. Of course, if it's your first time watching us here, whether you're watching us on YouTube or maybe you're listening to us on the podcasting platforms, we will be breaking down all these fights. Of course, gives our, our fight picks at the end of the show. I'll let you know what I like over on prize picks. Of course, Pete will let you know on the betting side what he likes on this fight card. So, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode. And, of course, if you want to join our DraftKings contest, link is below in the description. Also, if you want to get some Fight HQ merch, be sure to check that link out as well. Pete, how you doing, man? What's going on, Jason? I'm doing really well. Uh, another to see what, where we're going to get different on a fight card like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you know, as we kind of get into talking about game theory here in terms of, of this fight card, and obviously you're going to look at that main event. I really do like one side, but I can understand in terms of if you're playing more as a, a, a cash game, why well, you may look at Rob Font, especially if you think potentially this thing goes 25 minutes. Personally, I do not think this thing's going to go uh, 25 minutes. And uh, I will tell you, I've got five fighters I've listed as uh, potential takedown city uh, fighters on this fight card. Uh, you know, of course, we got uh, you know a bunch of nine. Options. Uh, Tatiana Suarez is someone. Uh, Sean Woodson this week. Of course, he is now on opponent number four. <laughs> Literally, he's gone through four opponents, I think, in the last 10 days. It's absolutely crazy to me. It, it's crazy how a, the deck can be shuffled so many times and a guy has to alter his training, alter his mindset leading up into a fight. It, it's more mentally draining than anything. And I, I think that's a, a talking point that a lot of people are underestimating. Um, just thinking that Sean Woods is going to come in here and roll. Um, I, I don't really like the price tag on him. And, um, you know, he's had the full camp, but that full camp has led to a lot of aggravation and a lot of stress. And stress is one thing that can really throw off a fighter. And uh, that, that's something we can't really gauge how they are between their ears. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, you got some high-profile fighters that always struggle to get matched up. Corey Sanhagen, luckily enough to have a short-notice replacement in Rob Font um, due to uh, Umar's injury uh, and pulling out. Rob Font was able to step up. Um, that That's pretty rare, especially given the circumstances and, uh, you know, the what's on the line here ranking-wise. Um, so let's uh, uh, applaud Rob Font and uh, – you know, even props to De uh, Dennis Bazukia looking to to come in here with an opportunity of, of making a name for himself in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, I, I know in terms of Dennis, uh, Ray Longo, one of his coaches, has been pushing to get him in, in the UFC for a long time. Of course, uh, you know, there's other fights that I think are going to be very interesting, and, and we're talking about GPPs. I think that Diego Lopez, Gavin Tucker is going to be a fight that we're really going to have to look at in terms of GPPs. I mean, I, I Carlson, if people have been watching the betting market this week, Carlson Harris is the fighter that everyone is laying money on. I want to say he was maybe plus 170 at one point, and now he's minus 105. So, And that's one of the things that wow. – and we've talked about it. I've said is like you got to watch the betting markets. You got to see where is the public kind of thinking about it because you know when I looked at some of these ownership projections over on DraftKings, there there was some that I was like, oh man, that's kind of that's a little bit of, of a steep uh, price there. 
Um, Cornell and Jackson is probably. By the way, I mean, obviously being here in Tampa, you know, you, you know, uh, I'm a Billy Q guy. Uh, had a great conversation with with Damon Jackson leading up to this one, a, as well. But like, I'm actually I'm shocked that's on the prelims. I mean, it's a fourth fight on the car. I'm shocked by that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you ever want some more, you know, uh, some more information leading up to a fight or some of the behind the scenes stuff, Jason Floyd's always putting out great content on his channel, the MMA Report. So make sure you guys you know, check it out, subscribe to his channel. Um, I, I watched that interview. I thought it was a great interview as always. And, uh, you know, I thought Damon Jackson, um, you know, laid out some things that I thought was very, very interesting that we will get to. Um, but, you know, it, I like listening to interviews just to see where certain fighters heads are at um, a little behind the scenes, not necessarily looking for excuses, but some reasoning behind some decisions leading up to a fight or, um, you know, just perhaps why they were off a little bit. Maybe there's no reason at all. Uh, but what adjustments have they made leading up to this next fight? So that, that's something I've started to really take into consideration when I'm breaking down my fight film and breaking down, you know, how I'm going to target the fight card um, from a betting standpoint and DFS standpoint. So, uh, yeah, all in all, I, I thought that fight should have been much higher on the card. Um, care more about that than the Kennedy and Dustin Jacoby fight, to be honest. Of course, uh, as I mentioned, we got our DraftKings contest. Hey, hey, who won that last week? I think Jason did, right? Jason Floyd <laughs> won it. Yeah. Hey, who, all, all I got to say is if we're, if we're going to toot our own horn, who, who won that $3, 150 max out there? That's, that's, I, I that's see awesome. it. I see you. I see you. There we go. I, I was hoping it was just a one-time thing, but uh, uh, apparently that's going to be the norm. So I got to start dropping a ridiculous amount of money every week in that $3. Um, but Hey, it's going to help grow the, the DFS sport of MMA. And clearly more people are, you know, interested in MMA, maybe more of a, a large field type of stuff where spend up a little bit. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed pretty much uh, I was playing MLB earlier this week, and I noticed they had the, that, that same $3 type contest with 150 oh, really? max. You know, uh, you know it, it was kind of crazy the fact that I had my OKS in my lineup and, and still was able to take it down, of course. Uh, you know, Damn, did you? Yeah, yeah, I had I had, uh, I had Gaethje, uh, Pahea, Derek Lewis, Kiesa, Bomfine, and Maverick. Now, of course, Derek Lewis going out there and, and doing what he did. I don't know. I don't know if you saw it. Um, someone did. Uh, I don't know if they how if they were texting with uh, Mark Giro de Lima. Apparently, um, yeah. Let's yeah, just say he's he's struggling uh, being able to uh, take in solid food because uh, his teeth are messed up. Oh, his teeth, his jaw. I mean, I, I have to applaud him for not getting knocked out cold from the knee alone. I mean, that's Derek Lewis running across the cage, Jorge Masvidal-style flying knee, giving shout-out to the BMF title. Um, and, it, like, oh, my gosh, he was still conscious. And then he almost got out of a horrible position, almost got out of mount. He basically did. He bellied down and posted on the mat. And I'm like, is my boy going to get up right now and just <laughs> turn the tide? Nope, he's just going to get pounded out and can't really blame him. He wasn't all there. Um, but, yeah, Derek Lewis, that, that fight in general uh, – you know, it, it was a necessity, and I had a lot of uh, dilemma, um, but ultimately it worked out, you know, and that's why just setting exposures and not crossing people off and uh, given, especially when it's a volatile matchup, right? Like if you are correct and you just X out one side, obviously you're sitting pretty, but when you're not, you have to, you know, take it to take it to account, like what the other field, you know, the rest of the field is doing too. If 25% of the field is getting to him. Like, take that shot. 25% ain't that bad. 
I mean, I, I talk about it every week when you, you're looking at ownership projections. For me, there, there's two things I'm looking for. I'm looking for, first off, is A, who are the fighters that are getting 20% or under ownership? The, the, mm-hmm. Is there someone that sticks out to you? And maybe it, or also in that turn, I'm looking at the 9,000 fighters and saying, who are people not getting to? Is there a leverage spot there? Then the other one that I'm looking at is I'm looking at total ownership on a fight. If you sit there and say both fighters underneath 20%, that's where you start looking at getting leverage on the field. And 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 look, and maybe there may be a very damn good reason why that fight's not getting a ton of ownership. But as you're developing your lineups, that's something you have to put into consideration. And if you're over there on FanDuel, um, you know, looking at the MVP ownership, if there's one fighter just getting a crap ton of ownership at the MVP, trying to find somebody else to maybe throw in there. So that's just kind of the way I develop my lineups, and especially when I'm hand-building lineups. Yeah, I, I think it's a great, you know, strategy when you're when you're building lineups, especially hand building. Um, you know, take a look at ownership projections and see which fights are just kind of being forgotten about. Usually in the mid range, there's always somebody who's being slept on. Um, people like to, you know, play high and low and in the middle is a little difficult at times. So uh I like doing that as well. Um it's just kind of difficult at times to determine is it legitimate under ownership or is it you know, is it warranted or not? Like, and that's the, that's the craziest thing. It's, I, I try to put it in my mind where what, what's the likelihood of this fight becoming optimal. And then if, if my own percentages are higher or lower than the ownership, I, I tweak it a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you there, Corso. We appreciate everyone who's watching us live here on YouTube here on a Friday afternoon. By the way, the next two weeks are pro- are going to be at different times, uh, potentially on Thursdays because of my uh, – it is football season, so my Buccaneer work has uh, already started. So we actually play a preseason game next Friday. And then the following Friday, I'll be traveling up to up to New Jersey slash New York. So uh, looking forward to that trip to uh, New York. Going to gonna, you know, stay in town an uh, additional like day. And uh, – Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy yeah, life. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Jay- Jason's a busy guy and, you know, it's football season. So I know he loves football season and, uh, <laughs> he, you know, he, he's going to be, we're going to be adjusting the schedule just between everything. Um, but you know, as we always have, we've always done this. You yes. know? I, I literally, I text Pete last week. I was like, hey, man, it's get that time of year. Um, we got some conflicts to get through. So, but, uh, but we'll, we'll be here every week. Of course, we're in this uh, schedule here of all these MMA events, but let's get right into this fight card. We got a main event contra a, uh, Catchweight matchup of 145 pounds. You got Corey Sanhagen taking on Rob Font. Of course, Rob Font coming up here on short notice after Maga Madoff pulled out of the fight due to a injury. Of course, Rob was supposed to fight uh, in two weeks there on that UFC Boston card. So I'm sure the UFC uh, threw a nice little offer at him to get him to take this matchup. Of course, he is a minus 280. He's a plus 280 betting underdog. Corey Sanhagen, minus 360 on the betting side. Now we look on the DraftKings side of the equation. Corey Sanhagen is $9,300, $23 on FanDuel for Rob Font. He is $6,900 on DK and $13 on FanDuel. And Pete, it's been a long time since we've had an underdog in the main event on the FanDuel side of the equation that's less than $15. Yeah, I, that, that's a good point. Um, not really my platform. That's that's your platform, but uh, I, um, I can see why and for me i really really like Corey sanhagen here um i I think that Corey sanhagen is one of the most elite fighters within this division i really like rob font personally 
Um, fought on several cards with Rob. Uh, always rooted for Rob. Picked Rob countless times when he's been an underdog. Countless times in general. I mean, Jason and I are always backing Rob from a betting and DFS standpoint. Uh, made us look really smart against Adrian Yanez. Um, and I, I just really like him in general. I don't necessarily like what I've been seeing. And in his past two fights, he's taken a ridiculous amount of damage. Um, past three, I should say. The Jose Aldo-Marlon Vera fight. Uh, his chin checked out against Adrian Yanez, and he was able to um, you know, throw a great combination and hurt Yanez following up with some ground and pound. The issue here is not the the change in date. I, I do think that a fight against Song Yudong was extremely difficult as well. Um, you know, he, he's looking at his career. He's trying to catapult to the top. And I do think that he is one of the most legitimate fighters out there, especially from a boxing standpoint in MMA. He has great hands. I worry about the, the variety and versatility of Corey Sanhagen of how he can mix everything up so well. He blends it from both stances. Um, he's been incorporating takedowns. He's been looking like a legitimate champion. Um, and I was excited to see him uh, test himself against Umar Namakamadov. And uh, now we get to see him go out there and look for a third fight in a row, a third victory in a row, uh, victories over Song Yudong, and a dominant victory over Marlon Vera, despite the split decision tag. Don't really understand that one judge's uh, opinion. But I really think that Corey Sanhagen's a fantastic spend-up option. Um, I, I don't mind the price at 9300 I think it's warranted given his volume, given the takedown upside, and even finishing upside over Rob Font. Um, I like Rob. I'm going to root for Rob. I'm always a Rob guy, just like last weekend when I was talking about how I was picking Justin Gaethje. But personally, I was rooting for Dustin Poirier. Um, I'm not going to let my bias get in the way here. I think that Corey Sanhagen is going to win this fight in a very dominant fashion. Uh, the only thing is if Rob's able to absorb damage and, you know, stay active and and basically make it to minute 25, the price tag's broken given his nature of absorbing damage and still, you know, scoring well. I just think that uh, Sanhagen's a fantastic spend-up at 9,300. So the pick is Sanhagen, 9,300. I'm going to say via... I think he's going to get a TKO, Jason. I think it's going to be round three. Yeah, I was telling P right before the show, there's actually a lot of things I like over on Price Picks this week. And one of the uh, the props I like really the most is that under fight time on Corey Sanhagen at 22 and a half. I would say uh, go in and place that one now because I, I feel like that number is going to decrease. And like you, I think that it, it probably is a fight that ends via um, you know second, third round-ish. And one of my thoughts in terms of this car, and we're going to talk about you know the co-main event here in, in a second, is I think a lot of us are going to say, okay, is would you rather have a Corey Sanhagen ninety three hundred, or spend two hundred dollars more to get to Tatiana Suarez because of the grappling upside? And and one of the things that you you know all these years that we've done the show together, the one thing you said is in these five round fights, the last thing you want is a third round finish. Yeah, it, it is true. Um, I, I do think that the ceiling is higher for Sanhagen because of the 25-minute potential, um, because of his introduction of takedowns to his game. I think that Tatiana Suarez is in a fantastic matchup as well to catapult her career with a big, big name against Jessica Andrade with a clear grappling 
uh, upside and advantage in the matchup. The issue in the debate for me is, does she need more than one takedown? And we're going to get to that, but I, I feel like she might not. If she gets a takedown, I think it, it might be over. Um, if Andrade is able to get back to her feet, then we're looking at one of the best takedown city potential you know, fighters on the entire slate. But given the security of 25 minutes, um, I'm still going to prioritize getting to Corey Sanhagen at 9,300. And if your thought process is that you think this thing can last 25 minutes from a cash game aspect, I do not mind getting to Rob Font because at 6,900, I mean, at that point, you can – because when I hand-built my first couple of lineups, I wasn't having difficulty. And I was like, this should be harder. And I, yeah. I just I found developing lineups to me was just really easy this week. Um, you know, I, I do look at Corey Sanhagen is one of the five fighters that I wrote down as takedown city because I think he does have that ability to to take this one to the ground. And uh, but you know, to me, yeah, the pick is going to be Corey Sanhagen. Uh, you know, look, you know, Rob Font, he's a Tampa guy, obviously you know, living up there in the Northeast, but uh, he he's from Tampa, so uh, you know, always going to kind of be rooting for Rob. But uh, you know, look, we got to. Sometimes you got to sit here and you just got to be honest about it. Like, Corey Sanhagen's just the better fighter. I mean, it, that's the way I look at it. But uh, we'll see what happens here in the main event of UFC National Now, the co main event, female matchup. We got Tatiana Suarez taking on Jessica Andrade. Tatiana Suarez is a minus 360 betting favorite. She was as high as a four to one betting favorite earlier on this week. Jessica Andrade, she's plus 280. Uh, Suarez, $9,500 on DK, $22 on FanDuel. And Jessica Andrade, she is $6,700 on DK and $8 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, I really like Tatiana Suarez here at 9,500. I, th- I think that she is uh, massive for the uh, strawweight division. Um, I- I'm I'm really impressed that she can make this weight, to be honest. It's pretty crazy. Uh, I just view her as a much larger opponent than most people within the division. And I actually think that we're going to see her capture gold eventually within this division. I-, I just think that her game is so dominant. It's like Habib Nurmagomedov in a way of – Relentless takedowns, relentless pressure, you know, suffocating, ground and pound and control, which pick your poison. Are you going to get TKO or are you going to give me a submission? So we've seen her pick up multiple takedowns in the past. She dominated Carla Esparza. Granted, that's back in 2018 and injuries really plagued her career, but she went 9 of 11 in the takedown department, 4 of 13 against Nina Ansaroff, and most recently she went 2 of 6 against uh, Montana De La Rosa. So If she meets a roadblock when it comes to, you know, succeeding with her takedowns, she does not shy away from it. She goes back to the well and she's going to keep, you know, rinse and repeat until she gets you where she needs to be. And she picked up a second round submission finish over Montana De La Rosa, scored 99. I guess that's my fear is if Andrade is tough enough to avoid a first round finish and then she gets subbed in the second with minimal amount of takedowns and we're looking at a low hundred um, or, you know, high 90 score at that price tag is probably not going to happen. Um, but uh, I'm really going to pr- be prioritizing lineups with either Tatiana Suarez, Corey Sanhagen, or both of them, because I do think that they are the two safest plays on the entire card. No, I'm with you there. I mean, I, and on prize picks, Tatiana Suarez's takedown number is three. I think if you're going to play it, it's a less than three because I, like you said, she may only need two. Yeah. Now I I will say this: I do have concerns of what happens if she gets chin checked early on in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I've I've got to tell you, man, I've always been like, 
from a, a technical standpoint as a coach, I've always been frustrated with Jessica Andrade because she, she offensively is so great, Mm -hmm. but defensively she's so reckless in elementary. It's ridiculous. And it's like, you know, it, it seems like certain fighters that are, you know, unable to be coached at a point, like you should be making adjustments, man. Like put your damn chin down and like bring your hands back up to your face. Your, your hands are at your chest, your chin sky high, and you are swinging wildly and just blitzing forward. And you're just used to bullying everybody. And then once the bully gets bullied, now now the blueprint's out there. No, now now the people are going to test that chin. Now people are going to take you down and, and mollywop you. And I do think that the the blueprints there. It's just horrible timing for Jessica Andrade. Um, and I think that Tatiana Suarez is going to uh, pick up a huge, huge name over, you know, uh, on her resume in, in Jessica Andrade. And for the first time ever, we're going to see Jessica Andrade lose three fights in a row. Yeah, and her coming back down to 115-2 I think is another aspect of this one as well. Let's move over to our next matchup. we got Kenny Njeku taking on Dustin Jacoby. Njeku is a minus 150 betting favorite. Dustin Jacoby plus 125. Uh, Njeku, $8,400 on DK, $16 on FanDuel. And for Jacoby, he is $7,800 on DK and $15 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, so so this fight similar to last week, um, where you know knee jerk reaction. I like Dustin Poirier, and then I started diving into it film wise, and and you know thinking about it and weighing a lot of you know things leading up to the fight, and I ended up going with Justin Gaethje when we did the show, and it, it worked out. I actually felt knee jerk reaction that okay, Dustin Jacoby is going to be an underdog. I'm going to get to, and a guy that I'm going to plant my flag on, and. The more I started watching Dustin Jacoby, the more I was kind of like scratching my head, like, am I really going to make this claim? I feel like Kennedy and Jekwu is making strides in his game where there is development, and it seems like Dustin Jacoby, in a way, has plateaued. Um, his striking skills will always be live for a knockout finish. He throws good leg kicks, great straight punches, struggles, um, you know, obviously in the wrestling department, gets back to his feet decently well. Um, but like he's, his durability has somewhat deteriorated as well. And Kenny Njeku is going to have a massive reach advantage over most people within the division. And we've seen him truly, truly develop in his past three fights, victories over Carl Roberson, Ian Kutalaba and Devin Clark. Um, very dangerous fights. He went five of seven in the takedown department against Carl Roberson. Um, and then picked up a second round finish over Ian Kutalaba and a second round submission over Devin Clark. My take on this is Dustin Jacoby's super live to pull off a decision or knockout in this matchup, especially at 7,800. So I'm going to get to him plenty. But we've seen him in close contests and close fights where he lets things slip through his hands. And if it's a close striking match, as I as I actually think it's going to be, um, and you have somebody mixing in takedowns, and who's that going to be? That's going to be Kennedy and Jekwu. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be going with Kennedy here at 8,400. I, I think that he's going to be, uh, you know, surrounding his game around a game plan of of really targeting the weaknesses of Dustin Jacoby, testing the chin, taking him down. And uh, I think that at 8,400, it's a steal. But that doesn't mean I'm crossing off Dustin Jacoby here at 7,800. 
I would say this is one of those uh, fights on, on price picks. I like multiple uh, props over price picks. I like the more 58.5 significant strikes for Kennedy just because, I mean, look, Dustin Kobe is a kickboxer. He wants mm-hmm. to keep on the feet, but you bring up a great point. You know, maybe Kennedy is able to incorporate some takedowns. Also, I like the over 13.5 fight time minutes. I think this thing's going 15 minutes most likely. Um, and Jacoby is, is an underdog that I'm looking at this week. I, I don't know if it's... It's a great play in terms of GPP just because of fantasy score upside in, in terms of, you know, we're talking about, you know, trying to get to 650 points. I just don't know if Dustin Jacoby and, you know, what's the ceiling in a 15-minute decision for Jacoby? Because, right. you know, when I think Dustin Jacoby, I don't magically think we're going to all of a sudden see a double leg. Right, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so either. And the most interesting thing leading up to this fight is how, um, they have, you know, familiar opponents. Uh, Dustin Jacoby knocked out Da Un Jung in round one. Da Un Jung knocked out Kennedy and Jekyll. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's actually very, very interesting. And, um, you know, I think now to complete the MMA math triangle, we need, <laughs> we need Kennedy and Jekyll to beat Dustin Jacoby. So, and I think that's what's going to happen. MMA math does not always work. I don't. I agree, and I hate. I hate when people use MMA math, but it is kind of hilarious how certain. If you go back regionally or anything, you you can dive into it and you see, you know, Daun Jung knocked out Kennedy, and Jacoby knocked out Daun Jung, and now Kennedy is going to knock out just Dustin Jacoby. It's just so weird because in that it goes to to prove the volatility and uh, just how difficult it is in MMA to be perfect. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's move over to our next matchup. we got Diego Lopez taking on Gavin Tucker. Uh, Lopez is a minus 165 betting fair, plus 140 for Gavin Tucker. Uh, Lopez, 8300 on DK, $17 on FanDuel. For Tucker, 7900 on DK, $14 on FanDuel, Pete. I love this fight, and I think that you should be, you know, smashing exposure to it. I'm going to put all my chips on, you know, on the Diego Lopez side. I, I think that. He really, really impressed me against Movzar Ibloev uh, on short notice. Damn near submitted him. Um, he was in. He's just a dog, and he's constantly fighting, constantly looking for a finish. His jujitsu is special. He's a special kid. He's got that Charles Oliveira type of jujitsu about him. I'm telling you, this kid's jujitsu is nasty. And I like guys that aren't control oriented. They're more finish oriented or hunting for the finishes, and that's what Diego Lopez and Charles Oliveira are, that they hunt the necks really, really well. Granted, Diego Lopez hasn't proven anything, and I'm comparing him to Charles Oliveira, but Charles Oliveira early on in his career was predominantly a submission guy, so I do think that Diego Lopez can develop into something serious. Um, I think it's a really tough matchup for Gavin Tucker, and the reason being is you know, several years of inactivity coming in against a guy who is super aggressive, the most recent time we saw Gavin Tucker, he got knocked out with one punch against Dan Ige. Prior to that, has a nice victory of Billy Corintillo, uh, where he went to the takedown well, 7 of 13. If he had tries to take down Diego Lopez 13 times, I think he's going to end up getting submitted. Uh, I think he can have success given Diego Lopez is, uh, you know, how comfortable he is off of his back. But I'm not, I'm not willing to bet that. 7,900, I get it. You're, you're really going to be on the edge of your seat if you are suspecting uh, Gavin Tucker to just kind of edge him out over 15 minutes because submissions are going to be tight. And in addition to that, Diego Lopez throws heat on the feet. I know he has only one fight in the UFC, 
But on the Contender Series, he actually fought Joe Anderson Brito. So in my opinion, he's got two UFC fights. And granted, he's winless in both of them, but he's given a good account of himself. And I think that this is a nice matchup. The timing couldn't be better for Diego Lopez. I want to see what he's like under a full camp. And I think he's going to finish Gavin Tucker. He's my favorite uh, mid, mid-range mid play on the entire slate. Um, and I, I, I will be really shocked if Gavin Tucker pulls this off. Um, I've been wrong in the past. But this seems like a really, you know, too good of a price to pass up. We don't have that 8,200, 8,000 fight. We got the 8,300 Diego Lopez. And uh, I'm going to plant my flag on Lopez. I, I, I hope I'm not wrong. But if I am, I'm willing to go down with the ship. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those fights, uh, I think in terms of GPP, they really have to look at, uh, you know, don't really love a ton over on prize picks in terms of this fight. It's actually one of the few fights on this card that I haven't uh, highlighted some prop over there at prize picks. And I mentioned this comment from Ed over in the chat. He says, uh, hope you are well. He goes, I can see a path for every single dog on the slate with the exception of two. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, there are certainly, and when I was hand-building limes, I found myself living in the mid-range. Yeah, I have a couple where I'm not even touching the high-end 9,000 options because there's a lot that I like this week. Um, and there are paths to victory for everybody, every single fight, but what's the likelihood of them pulling off the upset? And that, and that's where if I feel it's being underappreciated because of the market or ownership-wise, that's where I'm willing to, to take a bold call and, and say, like, I, I'm going to back this guy. Now, I think that a lot of people are glossing over him. I think in, you know, whether you're talking about a small field GPP, large field GPP, single entry, whatever it may be, the way to get different from the field is to avoid the main event and co-main event. If you get away from those two, because look, there's going to be massive ownership on Tatiana Suarez and on Corey Sanhagen. I would expect Rob Font's going to have decent ownership as well just because of the price point. But, like, if you're putting together lineups and, and let's just say you're trying to get into a big contest and maybe you're just throwing – 10 entries in, 10, 10 or under entries in. If you said make six of those entries out of 10 did not have the main event or co-main event, you are going to be different than the field. Yeah, and, and that you're going to be different, but is it going to be you know beneficial? Um, you could solo ship it, and you could take down the tournament by your lonesome, not, not you know splitting with a lot of people. Yeah. I do think it's highly unlikely that, at least one of those fights, the main event and co-main event, are not a power, uh, part of the optimal. But Jason's completely right. Strange things happen. Like, imagine you could get a second-round finish or a third-round finish in both the main and co-main event, and given price point, we got you know overachievers slightly yeah. below them. And it happens every single week where people, yes, it's the most confident pick on the slate, and that's why you know they have such a line associated with them. But that doesn't necessarily equate to the highest score. Look, I'm I'm looking at ownership projections right now. Yeah. On the FanDuel side of the equation, take anyone in the MVP not named Corey Sanhagen and Tatiana Suarez. Like, the the MVP ownership right now projection is insane. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I get it. I get it. I understand it. But I'm like, man. That's that's the way you take down those. You know, I mean, look, you, Jason's going to take it down this week. I have a feeling. He's look, down look, this is like he better. I, I just I just wish the prize pools were higher over a FanDuel. Yeah, I know. It's like 
It sucks. I know. Yeah. That, that, that's the whole thing. It's, and that's why I I primarily play over on, on DraftKings. I mean, I might throw a couple lines in on FanDuel, but it's just, it's just because of the prize pools. That, that's why I prefer to play over there on DraftKings. Let's move over to our next matchup. we got Tanner Bozer taking on Alexis Kamer. Kamer is a plus 125 betting underdog, minus 150 for Tanner Bozer. Bozer is a 700 on DK, $17 on FanDuel, and Kamer is 7500 on DK and $14 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, this fight stinks. And uh, I just don't like the fight, and it seems like ownership agrees with me. Um, but because of my my weird intuition, I, I feel like you still need to get a little bit more than, than what's happening with this fight because it shouldn't be that forgotten. Um, but it's at 8,700 for, for Tanner Bozer, and Alexa Cameron sitting there at 7,500. Um, Bozer's notorious regionally for, for winning heavyweight decisions and not now at light heavyweight not necessarily sure if we like that move for him uh alexa Kammer, relatively unproven prospect i actually think the 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 title prospect is a little much for him i, I just haven't seen anything that's exceptional or you know special within the ufc i think that he's extremely mediocre um picked up a win over justin ledette should have been a smash spot right tempted two takedowns threw 165, landed half of it, scored only 68, you know, and then lost the decision to William Knight and a closer decision to uh, Nikolai, um, split decision, and went 0 of 2 in the takedown department, threw 148, landed 102. I guess the only thing here is if, for instance, if, if like Tanner Bozer's durability doesn't check out because, like, for the most part, he's going to inside leg kick you, he's going to outside strike you to a 15-minute decision. Um, the knockouts that he acquired early on in his UFC career or earlier on were somewhat of an anomaly given his entire body of work. Like Felipe Lin's knockout really just surprised me because he wasn't a knockout guy. Then Rafael Pozoa and then OSP. I mean, we're talking about three bottom tier fighters within the UFC, also with durability question marks. Bozer should win this fight. I'm I'm just not going to be super aggressive with it. I'll probably get a little bit more than the field. Um, but Alexa is coming off a, a long layoff. So uh, a younger guy should be making strides developmentally wise and should be, you know, fixing, patching holes and, and, and getting better and, and studying the, the entire weight class and be very, very selective and methodical when he's when he returns. Was this a coach's decision and their own decision to pick Tanner Bozer? Did they see something? Or is this a, uh, well, let's just get accept something to get back out there. So I don't really know the answer to that, but I'm going to be picking Tanner Bozer at 8,700. You know, this is a fight that I actually think will, will finish inside the distance. That's why I do like the under 14 and three-quarter fight time on Tanner Bozer here. I mean, I, I do – I mean, I, I think stylistically this is a good matchup for Tanner Bozer in, in terms mm -hmm. of, of what Kamer brings to the table. Um, you know, I, I also do kind of wonder about the durability of Kamer if this fight does hit the third round. That's just something that, that's kind of a thought process for me. But, you know, I, I do think Tanner Bozer is a play. Don't, don't love the price point when we're talking about GPPs at 8700 though. Yeah, you know what's crazy, though, is if you look at the body of work and the experience of Tanner Bozer, like his price point should be so much higher, even though I don't like him at 8700 But like he did have a really, really competitive fight with Rodrigo Nascimento. That was a split decision and, uh, you know, was taken down. And it was a war, but like he still scored in a loss, 51 fantasy points. So 
And now you're talking about facing a guy who hasn't been in the cage, hasn't been acclimated, and is relatively unproven. He should be owned more, but I think everybody's afraid of the decision likelihood that Tanner Bozer, you know, has. No doubt about it. Let's move over to our next matchup. We got uh, Bob Mondes taking on Klein. Bob Mondes at minus two twenty five betting fair, plus twenty five for Klein. Uh, Inacio is ninety one hundred on DK, twenty one dollars on Fanduel, and for Klein, he is seventy one hundred on DK and nine dollars on Fanduel. Pete. Yeah, I like my boy Ignacio Bahamondes. Um, you know, he's one of my one of my friends' fighters. Uh, Mike Valley has trained him extensively, um, and I, I really like Ignacio. Uh, I think that he's just massive for the lightweight division really reminds me of myself and just from a, a stature standpoint and background standpoint where just a very active striker, um, lots of kicks, super kick oriented, um, not necessarily the best boxer, but a, a competent boxer, but he, he messes people up with his feet and now you're going to, you know, pair him up against Ladova Klein who is a fantastic striker in his own right, has a great left high kick, uh, has picked up some wins when I've counted him out, has actually, you know, picked up some solid wins. Mason Jones, I I think everybody, you know, I remember I planted my flag on Mason Jones. I thought he was going to destroy Ladova Klein, and I was, I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, But the, the draw to Jai Herbert, um, split decision win over Devontae Smith, I just think from, a uh, reach and styles perspective. This is a very difficult fight for uh, Ladovic Klein. I think Ignacio from the outside is going to pick him apart. Um, you know, dig at his his body, and I, I think that Ladovic might start to fatigue the more body shots that land en route to Ignacio TKO late. Uh, so yeah, I like Ignacio here at ninety one hundred. I don't hate the Ladovic Klein seventy one hundred underdog. I, I think that you're either hoping he lands something lucky. Um, he hasn't really had the best success in the takedown department. He's been okay. Um, but you're just hoping it's going to be a very close uh, fight against the cage because he's going to have to do something to close that gap because the reach advantage for Ignacio is going to be pretty significant. Of course, uh, appreciate uh, Ricky joining our Discord channel. If you want to join our Discord channel, totally free to join. Of course, that link is in the description of this show. Of course, also, we've got a contest over there on DraftKings. We've got our merch store as well. So if you want to help uh, show your support for the channel, and of course, uh, a great free way to show your support for channels, just hit that subscribe button. That's a great way. Of course, if you do uh, want to send in a super chat, we'll get to those super chat questions towards the end of the program. Let's move over next up. We got Kyra Phillips taking on Honey Barcelos. Barcelos is a plus 160 betting underdog. Uh, Phillips minus 190. Phillips is 90,000 on DK, $21 on FanDuel. Barcelos 7,200 on DK and $10 on FanDuel. Beat. Yeah, be careful here. And, and I say be careful here because, um, I think everybody's excited about Kyler Phillips with his potential. I mean, I am. I, I really like Kyler Phillips. He's helped me out a lot. I've uh, always thought that he's, you know, super, super talented. Um, throws good volume. He's. I, I thought that he was going to do really well against Holly and Paiva. Uh, I was wrong in that fight. But for the most part, you know, it was a war. And he showed his toughness. Got a little fatigued in that. But he's able to mix things up super well, has a an excellent ground game. He can attempt submissions, land submissions, land takedowns, um, and is a high-volume striker. So if you go out there and you are not willing to match his volume, you're probably going to be behind two rounds heading into the third. 
Howney Barcelos is a guy who's fallen from grace. And if you look back and think back, he was a guy that I thought was really going to con contend for the title. I truly did. I thought Howney Barcelos was going to be that guy. And then, uh, you know, his hype train got derailed against Timur Valiev. And then I'm like, okay, no big deal. Um, I like Victor Henry, but I, I thought it was more of a punt play. And Victor Henry went out there and just, you know, just outworked him. And I think that's something Howney needs to adjust going into this fight against Kyler Phillips because I think that he can get outworked here, similar to how the Victor Henry fight went, and just be a step behind. Is his durability gone? I'm not willing to say it is because Umar Namagamadov knocked him out. Um, but I, I do think that Kyler Phillips is clearly on his way up, and the best days of Howney are gone. Howney can still win a decision, though. So uh, I'm going to be getting to him from a betting and DFS punt standpoint as far as winning a decision. He's an excellent grappler, excellent wrestler. Um, and if he's able to match and walk down Kyler Phillips, perhaps this fight looks a lot closer than what the odds suggest. So I'm still picking Kyler Phillips because I, I, I like everything I'm seeing, but Howney is one of the best punt plays, in my opinion, to win a, to win a decision. Which just kind of concerns me with Barcelos. It is more of kind of the age at this weight division. This is typically when you really start to see the decline in terms of that one. So, but yeah, I also I think um, there have been times where we've seen Kyler slow down. As exactly. the fight goes on, and that to me has got to be a concern. I think it kind of goes to your point of, you know, potentially, you know, if Barcelos weathers that seven, eight minute storm that we've seen from Kyle Phillips, that maybe he takes over, maybe he can maybe finish him late in the third round. So we'll see what happens there. Next up, I think we got the uh, probably the fire that is going to be the most interesting underdog. I think a lot of people are going to get to that being Carlson Harris taking on Jeremiah Wells. Uh, Harris uh, is now minus 105, minus 115 for Wells. Uh, this is a fight where the money all week has been coming in on Carlson Harris. Harris is 7700 on DK, $15 on Fandle, and for Jeremiah Wells, He's eighty five hundred on DK and sixteen dollars on Fanduel, Pete. Yeah, I, I think sometimes the market over adjusts, and I, I think that's what could be happening here. And um, you know, I do think that Jeremiah Wells is a very, very dangerous fighter. Um, he has exceptional power. If he touches you, man, he knocks you out. And when he hits people, they fall so bad, especially on the regional scene. And then we've seen him. Just completely butcher Warley Alves. The Court McGee knockout, you know, was you know pretty brutal. Um, and then most recently, we saw him in an absolute barn burner war, dropped you know numerous times against Matthew Semmelsberger, three, four, five times, um, and was able to. He he was getting rocked by everything, and it's largely due to his defensive mistakes of keeping his hands down. He wings shots wide, so if you're willing to throw shots down the middle, you can time them and and catch them. Um, and then it's just he, he was able to recover, though, so credit to him. And, and he closed the gap. And it, for as much damage that Matthew Semmelsberger had on him, we did have Jeremiah Wells land 6 of 10 takedowns and had 11 minutes of control time. So it, were, it, it was crazy blitzes and ridiculous moments for Matthew Semmelsberger. Um, but it showed great toughness and good cardio for, for Jeremiah Wells. But my issue is... We haven't seen him defend takedowns. And I know he's a he's a Philly guy, and I know that you know he he's able to defend takedowns and you know employ his his own submission game. But in the UFC, we've only seen him defend one takedown against Matthew Semmelsberger and one takedown against Warley Alves. Styles make fights. 
Um, I think Carlson Harris can get knocked out just as badly as all these guys Jeremiah Wells has fought. But the one thing is, if Carlson Harris closes that gap, he's going to be looking to engage in the most safest safest path to victory, and that is via grappling. And he attempted 12 takedowns against Jared Gooden, had uh, five successful takedowns, nine minutes and 38 seconds of control time. How does Wells perform if he's forced to defend 12 takedowns? I don't have that answer. Um, and I was watching regional tape, CFFC fights. Um, he has been taken down by guys that are able to, to clasp their hands together. Um, but I, I think that somebody as relentless and equally as dangerous um, in the submission department of, of Carlston Harris, I think that it could be more of a motor standpoint and Carlston just constantly pressing, pressing, pressing the takedowns. Uh, and it will lead to a victory here, a decision victory for Carlston Harris at 7,700. Um, that's my projection. I do think that Jeremiah Wells early KO is always live. Um, and this fight in general should be prioritized. So I'm a little desperate for underdogs this week, Jason, and to all the listeners out there. So I have to take some risks. I know that this is a very, very risky fight to take a risk on and to, uh, to make an underdog call on, but I'm willing to just give it a shot. I'm not going to fault Carl Carlston Harris for getting knocked out against Shavkat Rachmanov. I know he's been knocked out previously to that, but I think that he can go in there with the correct game plan and win this fight against Jeremiah Wells. Over on the prize pick side of this equation, I do like that more than two takedowns for Jeremiah Wells. You know, I do favor Carlson Harris to get the win this one. So if you wanted to play the fantasy score of 90.5 on Jeremiah Wells, I would more f- want to go to the less. But uh, the, the takedown prop is the one that sticks out to me the most there in terms of Jeremiah Wells. Uh, definitely more than two takedowns because I think he can easily get that because I also think Harris can get up. So um, that, that would be something I would want to do there. But I do expect Harris to be a very popular uh, underdog yep. over on DraftKings and over on FanDuel tomorrow. Next up, we got Billy Corantello taking on Damon Jackson. Billy Q is a minus 160 bet in favor, plus 135 for Damon Jackson. Corantello, 8900 on DK, $18 on FanDuel. Damon Jackson is 7300 on DK and $13 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, so um, I'm a big Billy Q guy, and largely due to uh, just – you know, I like his fighting style. I, I like his grit. I like how he, you know, comes back and fights. Um, he's a slow starter, and it just doesn't have quit in him. He will get beaten in certain moments, but as long as he's still conscious, he's going to be fighting and, and trying to, you know, pull off the victory. So I understand the 8900 price tag. I think it's very, very interesting that we have both fighters, two fighters, Billy Q and Damon Jackson coming off of knockout losses that could make this a safer fight than, than normal. Um, if Billy Q makes some adjustments. Um, and I actually think that I'm going to go against my own personal bias and favoritism for Billy Q. I want him to win. I'm going to be rooting for him to win. I actually like him. Um, but I, I'm picking Damon Jackson to score a big upset here. And the reason I'm saying he's going to win is throughout Billy Q's career, we've seen him get controlled on the mat. There's a a ton of fights that you can go back and you watch Billy Q get taken down and controlled, um, or works back to his feet and he gets taken down again. He's been able to pull himself from the jaws of defeat numerous times, 
And I don't necessarily think it's always going to happen. Spike Carlisle had a tremendous amount of takedowns and control over him. Uh, Gavin Tucker was able to do it and avoid getting finished late. Um, and he had seven takedowns against him. We've seen that you can rack up minutes of control time against Billy Q. And if he does get back to his feet, I'm not so sure that he's, you know, such a crazy better striker than Damon Jackson. Yes, he is. Mm -hmm. He throws more volume. He has better combinations. But Damon's not horrible. He looks uncomfortable on the feet, but he strikes enough to get back to the wrestling. And it sounds to me like Damon Jackson's going to be lacing up those wrestling shoes and looking to attempt double-digit takedowns against Billy Q because he knows that's his path to victory. He knows the danger in Billy Q. And uh, I think that he's going to pull off a victory with, you know, almost 10 minutes of control time and price at 7,300. I like it, but I do like Billy Q from a live betting standpoint mm -hmm. and from, you know, just a finishing standpoint, like round three TKO makes a ton of sense to me, but I got to take some shots and I'm going to take a shot on Damon Jackson as an underdog. So I had a chance to uh, talk to Damon Jackson. It's probably about three weeks ago at this point. And some of the major takeaways for me, and, and of course I put the interview up on our scores over on the MA Report YouTube channel, is A, he talked about how he had a torn pec going into the matchup with Danny Ige, and he could not wrestle at all yeah. leading up to that matchup. And, and so that was kind of an interesting thing. Also the fact that he took two months off after that fight, you know, after you know the knockout loss there to Dan Ige. And, and look, I, I think you're exactly right. I think he, he laced up the wrestling shoes. Also, I think when you're talking about Billy Q, potential great live betting opportunity here. I do like the more than 72 and a half significant strikes on Billy over there on prize picks because, I mean, look, I, I, you know, when, when you think of Billy, I think of volume. And, and that was kind of one of the, the funny parts of the interview with Damon Jackson is like, hey, man, so this fight gets offered. Is your first thought like, oh, man, this, this could potentially be a 50K fight of the night bonus? He's like, yep. And, and by the way, he's going to play up to the crowd. On Saturday night, he is coming out to Tennessee Whiskey. I saw that. Yeah, great interview. And, um, yeah, it's smart, man. Just go out there and enjoy having a crowd behind you. And uh, I, I do think that it's a close fight. Does it make me feel comfortable that I'm picking Damon Jackson, a guy that I have relatively low faith in in general? No, but styles make fights, and I do think that this is a style that has given Billy Q fits time and time again, even going back to the Ultimate Fighter days against Saul Rogers. That's really long time ago, but like yeah. it's the same style that's given Billy Q fits over and over and over. And I think also is, do we see any difference with Billy after the knockout loss against right. Edson Barboza? I mean, to me, that that is a little bit of the unknown. And, you know, I brought that up to Damon. And, and I think Damon's, I mean, look, Damon's a, a vet of this game. He's been around. So we'll see what happens. But this is actually one of the fights that really does intrigue me with this one. Next up, we got Jake Hadley taking on Cody Durden. Cody Durden is a plus 170 betting underdog, minus 200 for Hadley. Hadley, 8800 on DK, $19 on Fandle. Cody is 7400 on DK and $11 on Fandle, Pete. Yeah, I think Cody's a very popular underdog here at 7,400 for the flyweight division. Has tremendous takedown potential time and time again. Um, goes out there and, you know, he broke the slate last time against Charles Johnson. I mean, we had Cody Cody Durden priced at 7,500, dropped 129 fantasy points, went 11 of 18 in the takedown department against Charles Johnson, against Carlos Mota, went 4 of 8 and uh, scored 86, priced at 7,700. In both of those fights, he had nine minutes and 12 minutes of control time. I have an issue with, with Cody Durden, and it's he's so relentless in the takedown department. 
that I feel like he leaves his neck out there. And we've seen him get um, exposed against Jimmy Flick and Muhammad Makayev, two guys that have tremendous you know, submission skills. J.P. Bayes, more of a wrestler. Carlos Moda, a striker. Charles Johnson, a striker. Uh, I think that... You know, you can look at Jake Hadley and make the argument that his jujitsu is equally as as dangerous as his striking, and that was on display against his victory over Carlos Candelario. That was on display on his Dana White Contender Series victory over Mitch Raposo. Um, but the body shot, you know, TKO, KO against uh, Malcolm Gordon, he looked good. You know, hit him with a beautiful body shot into a sprawl, and that was it. That was all she wrote. I, I just think that. The way I watched Jake Hadley get taken down on the contender series against Mitch Raposo made me scratch my head. And I'm like, okay, Mitch has good takedowns, um, but you shouldn't be getting taken down as easy as that. Could have been nerves. Um, and then I went back and I watched the Alan Nascimento fight, and he's getting taken down, but he's also putting one of the best grapplers for the division in dangerous spots and like dangerous submission spots. Um uh, he hunts a very beautiful high elbow guillotine. Um, he was looking for an arm triangle at one point. It looked like he was he took the back of Alan Nascimento. Alan Nascimento's jiu-jitsu is legit. And with all that being said, I'm picking 8,800 Jake Hadley to find a submission finish over Cody Durden. If it doesn't happen, then I tell you what's going to happen. Cody Durden is going to win a 15-minute decision. And priced at 7,400, it's most likely due to tons of control time and takedowns. But uh, I'm pretty confident Jake Hadley's going to capture the neck of Cody Durden and, and tap him out. And if people have not been watching the interaction between these two guys on social media, to say they don't like each other is a understatement. They have been oh, I chirping. Didn't, I didn't see back. any of that, Jason. Oh yeah. Oh they. Oh they've been chirping back and forth. I guess apparently this has been a matchup kind of long. You know, both guys have kind of wanted. Um, you know, my my concern with Cody Durden is potentially being so grappling heavy and we've seen it and the ability for his opponents to get up of that gas tank, just wearing out in terms of him. But yeah, he's one of five fighters on this car. That to me, you know, if you're creating a group and an optimizer, like a fantasy cruncher and you're doing a takedown artist, he's one of those five guys that I'm putting in that just because of that is his clear path to getting the victory here in terms of that. Next up, we got Sean Woodson taking on Dennis Bazooka. Sean Woodson is a minus 180 betting favorite. Uh, Dennis is plus 155. Uh, Woodson, $9,600 on DK, $18 on FanDuel. And for Dennis, he's $7,500 on DK and $12 on FanDuel. And Pete, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is now the fourth opponent for Sean Woodson, and I believe these all these opponent changes have been within the last 10 days. Yeah, I, I really feel for Sean Woodson. I've had people pull out of plenty of fights and, uh, you know, from injuries and whatnot. It's just very difficult on the mind. Um, but, you know, you put a lot of time and effort into a camp. You want something at the end of it. Like, you, A, you've got to get paid, especially like, you know, the, these bottom tier guys in the featherweight division, in the UFC in general. Like, you, you need that paycheck, man. Like, training ain't free, living ain't free. Bills don't care if your opponents pull, pull out of fights. Like, you know, shit needs to get done. So I understand him still just being relentless and wanting to go out there and perform. I was really hoping that we were going to get a extremely discounted Dennis Bazookia here. Um, the price point at 7500 on short notice. I don't love the price point on either one of them, if I'm being honest. 9600 Sean Woodson, I'm probably not going to get to much of him. I think that the likelihood is he wins a 15-minute decision against Dennis Bazookia, but uh, I'm going to be rooting for Dennis Bazookia because I think that he has the power to hurt Sean Woodson as Luis Saldana hurt him 
Um, I think that he has the wrestling to take down Sean Woodson, who earlier on in his UFC career defended takedowns better than he has. Uh, Luis Saldana, Luis Saldana um, you know, attempted takedowns, but like certain ones, open mat, he seems to get taken down against the cage. He seems to be, you know, much, much better. Um, I just think that this is a winnable fight for Dennis Bazookia. I really do think it's a winnable fight. I was hoping we'd get him at the Jesse Butler price tag at 6,600. Sometimes DraftKings just, you know, just replaces that or, or, you know, pretty close. Um, but I have to tell you on such short notice like that, it actually shows the respect that the betting community in Vegas has for Dennis Bazookia's skills in this matchup against Sean Woodson. So what it'll be for me is the pick will be Sean Woodson of who's going to win the fight, who I'm going to get to exposure wise. I'm not going to have much of Sean Woodson at all. I hate the price tag. Um, I like the other safer values, uh, the Tatiana Suarez and Corey Sanhagen. I like them better and their ceilings better. Um, and what, what I'll do is I will increase my exposure to Dennis Bazookia. So there's only one side from a, from a DFS standpoint that I actually have any interest in. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned the price point on Sean Woodson, of course, this price point was there when he was supposed to fight Jesse Butler, which was a matchup I really love for Sean Woodson. One of my concerns yeah. I, I do have with Sean Woodson, we're talking about this price tag is, okay, 9600 the path to, let's say, 120 points. You know, because he's not a takedown guy. He's going, no. He is a volume striker. I always kind of concern me. I mean, look, he is massive for this weight division, cuts a ton of weight to get down to, to 45. Uh, you know, Dennis on the other side, I mean, look, he is a guy that uh, his coach, Ray Longo, has been trying to get into UFC for some time. Um, you know, you, you look since the Contender Series matchup, the strength of competition just isn't there. Um, mm -hmm. and, and there's some things when you talk to regional matchmakers in terms of, of that. Um, in, in terms of getting to a cheaper play, I don't mind getting there. But just like you, in terms of GPPs, I, I really don't want to get to much Sean Woodson because I would much rather have a 9,500 Tatiana Suarez, a 9,300 Corey Sanhagen. I mean, pretty much every other 9,000 option I'd be much more interested in getting to than a 9,600 Sean Wilson. That's just me. Then our opening matchup, uh, you got uh, Ode Osborne as a plus 175 betting favorite, taking on Amabov, who is at minus 210. He's $8,600 on DK, $20 on FanDuel, and Ode is $7,600 on DK and $10 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, so we have to see the skill check of Asu Amabayev here against Ode Osborne, not the easiest opponent to debut against uh Odie Osborne four and three in the UFC victories over Charles Johnson split decision perhaps we all um overestimated Charles Johnson's abilities for the division uh victory KO victories over uh Zaruk Adashev and Jerome Rivera and a decision win to CJ Vergara I think that's pretty interesting Vergara kind of laid an egg last week um oh no he didn't he ended up winning the decision but it was not a a good fight and he did not look good in that fight um, more of a taunting fight back and forth, but Ode's just a tough out. And if you are not UFC level, I think that he can expose you. So at 7,600, I do not hate the dog shot at all. Um, Ode has been training and with some of the best fighters within the division and divisions above him. I think though, if you look stylistically, he hasn't been able to, he hasn't had to defend so many takedowns over and over and over. He defended four against Charles Johnson um defended one against brian kelleher but you know he was submitted in that bout how asu almabaya is going to go about this fight he's going to be looking to to grapple and grapple often wrestle and wrestle early 
He has very good wrestling, um, good throws, good, you know, mat returns. And the only issue is he seems to be a little too content of living in full guard when he gets his opponents to the mat. If he gets in half guard, it's great ground and pound position. He should be looking to rain down some ground and pound. Um, but it does he does seem a little bit green in the uh, jiu-jitsu advancing department. Uh, his jiu-jitsu is fine. He's picked up some incredible upset victories by finding the submission. But technically, I do think that there are some some developments that need to come within this division. I think it's going to be enough to beat Ode Osborne in a 15-minute decision. Um, and I do think that he is a great, you know, kind of under-the-radar wrestler that a lot of people just don't know if they're not looking at tape study. Uh, I think that the ownership is a little low, to be honest, given his takedown potential. And we've seen Ode Osborne get controlled and submitted in the past. He throws up Hail Mary submissions off of his back, but I think the pressure of Asu Almabayev is going to be enough to pick up a victory. Yeah, Almabayev is, uh, I was watching uh, one, of his, uh, one of his Brave fights. And by the way, anyway, watch his Brave. You just got to watch that cage announcer. He gets into it, let's just say. If you think Bruce Buffer's animated, he's got nothing on this guy. Really? <laughs> you know, oh, oh, yeah, man. It was, uh, yeah, Almabayev, I mean, and, and he is, I mentioned about I have five fighters in my takedown. Um, group he is one of those guys there uh let's get right into our straight up five picks so these are non-dfs uh related so uh main event uh is very easy for me it is sanhagen sanhagen i'm rooting for you rob uh i would go suarez in the co-main event suarez give me underdog number one in dustin jacoby okay i'm gonna go with kennedy i would go diego lopez diego lopez uh tanner bozer tanner bozer uh bob mondes yeah bob mondes phillips Phillips. I'll go underdog number two, Harris. Carlston Harris for me. That's my underdog number one thus far. Okay, I would go Billy Q. I'll go Damon Jackson against my own intuition, but Damon Jackson, underdog two. I will go Hadley. Hadley. I'm going to go Woodson, but, man, I'm really so tempted to pick Dennis, but I'll go Woodson. I'm going to go Woodson just from a uh, – I'm going to root for him. Um, that, That's who I'm going to go with. And then I'll go Ambayev in the opening fight of the night. Ambayev. Uh, of course, if you got any questions, uh, line those up in chat right now. Of course, uh, the score uh, questions do go to the top queue. That's our super chats, and then we'll get to any other questions. So uh, a couple of questions have already come in to score. So let's start uh, Value plays under 8K on DraftKings. I think it's just a takedown group, right? Like on a week like this, mm-hmm. I think you can make the path, you know, make the case for a lot of these underdogs to win. I much rather prefer looking at the fighters that have wrestling and grappling advantages over their opponents. It's a slight lean for Carlston Harris. Um, you know, I, I think Damon Jackson isn't a bad one. Even Cody Durden, if he if he doesn't get submitted, I think that he has phenomenal wrestling to to pull off the upset. Uh, I throw Gavin Tucker is another one. Is a, as a value play in terms of that one. Uh, it says, if you were forced to uncheck one fight, which one? Also, if you were forced to play 100% of one, which one? If I was going to uncheck any fight, oof. Um, why do I say it's Woodson and Bazooka? Yeah, that's that's what it is for me. The, the other one that I was kind of debating between is the Bozer-Alexa uh, mm-hmm. Kamer fight. 
just given the the decision nature of Bozer, but it is the light heavyweight division, and the higher up in weight you get, the more likelihood of finishes. So uh, I, w- I will say that it is the Bazookia and uh, Sean Woodson fight. If I was forced to play 100% of a fight, the Billy Q. Damon Jackson one really sticks out to me just because of, A, you have likely, like, and to use your, your analogy you used earlier, Damon Jackson uh, lacing up the wrestling shoes in this one, but also, man, the volume of Billy. It, it, so yeah. that that one sticks out to me. Um, it's the For me, it's the Wells-Carlston-Harris fight. I, that I, that I was the... That's, that's the fight you can't avoid this week. One way or another, you're going to get an early knockout, crazy score for Wells, or you're going to get takedown city for Carlston Harris, perhaps even a knockout. I mean, like we did see Wells get dropped numerous times. Yeah. Uh, next up, anyone going to takedown city here? Here's the five, five fires I have in my takedown group. San Hagen, Suarez, as well as I'm a buy of and Durden. I like Jackson too. Okay. I think Jackson's a legitimate takedown city threat. Uh, best leverage plays, best takedown upside and rank the nine K options. So we just kind of talked about the, the takedown upside. Like if I was going to rank them, um, I would probably go. I'm a buy of one, Suarez two, Wells three, Sanhagen four, Durden five, and uh, you know, Damon Jackson, I think, is another one to throw in there. Yeah, for, for ranking uh, takedown potential, I'm gonna go Suarez one, Sanhagen two, um, I'm a buy of three, Jackson four, and Dirt in five, you know, I, I, I don't like him in the matchup. Uh, ranking the 9K options. Um, I feel like it's almost like a 1A, 1B situation with Sanhagen and Suarez. Mm-hmm. And then I would probably go Ignacio, Phillips, Woodson. Yeah, I'm going to go Suarez, Sanhagen, Ignacio Bahamondes, Phillips. Woodson is, the, in my opinion, the worst play on the slate. I, I just hate him at that price point. Leverage plays, and it's just because this fight's getting no ownership, Bozer and Cameron. Yeah, uh, agreed. So many unknown factors about Cameron. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you got the money and you got the – the cojones, give it a shot and, uh, and 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 play that fight a little bit more than the field. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at the fights that just are not getting ownership. That's one of them. Uh, another one is what's in a bazooka is is to me, and I'm with you. I, I think I'm a buy. Should be getting more ownership than he's currently getting because of that takedown upside. Yeah. Uh, this is now from a betting perspective. Most confident fix. Most confident picks. Favorite inside the distant fights, dog of the card, prop that you like, and a parlay. So a ton, ton of things are there. Uh, to me, I, Pete, the most confident, even though he's minus three sixty, I think it's Corey Sanhagen. Yeah, it's Sanhagen for me. If you're um, gonna make me do a parlay, I gotta have Sanhagen and Suarez a part of it. Yeah, but, I mean the problem is they're both minus three sixty. Yeah, but you know, like when I do parlays, I ain't worried about crazy odds. I'm worried about safe, safe and security, and yeah, you know, I, I'll take big shots on other stuff. You're looking for basically, I play parlays similar to how I would play cash lineups in DFS. Okay. All right, uh, favorite inside the distance fights uh, for me. I look main event. Uh, Lopez Tucker will be one I throw in there. Uh, Hadley Durden potentially. Um, 
would be the ones. Got to be Wells Harris for me. Yeah. Uh, dog of the card. I mean, Harris is where all the money's at right now in terms of a dog of the card. Yeah, I would agree. He has to be. He a, might. He might be the favorite by the time they they walk into the cage. The way the betting lines. Really are going. surprised with the adjustment market, the adjusted market. It, it's like, huh? Maybe maybe something came out reports that I've missed or or, or just one huge better sway and stuff. But like, it's it's a little too much. I think like Wells needs to have some respect on his name too. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the betting markets here. So Carlson Harris. Uh, so this one goes back to, th- to yesterday. Um, but there was some earlier numbers on him where, um, yeah, at one point, so I'm looking over at Caesars. He was plus 145. He's now minus 105 over at Caesars. Um, Fandle, he was plus 138. So that, that goes all the way back to a week ago. And now he's plus 100. So you just see where the, the betting market is. And I always say is, you know, it's something when you're putting your lines together to kind of sit there and think about it. Uh, prop that you like. Is it Jake Hadley via submission? It, I, hold on. Let me look at it. I love it. I think it's like Jake plus Hadley. 120. I want to say. No. 225. My Yep. I love it. Hadley via submission plus 225, bro. That's nasty. But guess what? If you were in our Discord, which is free to join, and, and click the link in the description below, you guys would know I, I was putting some nuggets in there and and some live betting and also just like props, specific yeah. round props. And that's the way to play them because if you just go Hadley via submission, you get plus 225. If you start looking Hadley via submission um, in round one, you know, it's or round two. Let's say he does round two. You're, you're looking at crazy, crazy odds. So, like, I think that, you know, plus 850, plus 900 is the way to go. And I would tell you uh, a lot of uh, a lot of discussion that here in the state of Florida after the, the legal wind uh, by the state and, and uh, the hard rock that uh, sports betting may be coming here very soon here in the oh, state of right. Florida. They better expedite it. The, the only the, the only unfortunate thing is when it was live for like a month last year, uh, they were only doing money line bets. There was no prop bets on MMA. That's yeah, that sucks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we get another question from Discord here from AG says Hadley and Amabayev or Woodson and Jacoby. Oh, give me the first part. That, that's not even a debate for me. Yeah, I like the first one way better. I mean, look now if you're looking for a leverage spot. The other side of that would be the the leverage play, but the safer play definitely is Hadley and I'm a buy. No question about it. Uh, let's get some uh, questions over here from YouTube as we start to kind of wrap things up here. Uh, I kind of just scroll through the chat here. Something that we maybe have not talked about. Um, Jonathan saying fought for cash, yes, but GPP no. Will be few dogs barking this week. Um, I mean, look, it's if you're playing Rob Font and GPPs, the thought has got to be it's going 25 minutes. That has to be your thought process. Yeah, I mean, just a, just a stack in, in yeah. general. Like, you have to have the underdog outperform other dogs that win or other dogs just in general. So, yeah. uh, let's see here. Uh, by the way, yes, Dismazuka did come in a half pound overweight. He has forked over 20% of his purse. So, uh, whatever 20% of uh, $12,000 is. 
That's what he's giving up. Wow. But the fight, the fight is uh, going forward. Uh, can't see him hanging handle the volume of fury from Rob Font. Font uh, was cartoonishly punching hard at Adrian. That was his last fight. Those uppercuts. Uh, he goes on to say he goes. Rob Font could still have like sixty seven points even in a loss if he goes all five. Um, I mean, look, I I think Sam Hagen can win this fight wherever. It I think he he can take this fight wherever he wants to win. Um, I think the easier path is taking the fight to the ground and, and using his jujitsu. Yeah. And I, I think something to account for in this matchup is that like Sanhagen's not going to be just right in front of Rob font. Like Sanhagen moves with some of the best footwork in the entire division or in the UFC. So when you go to hit him, he's not there. And then now he's incorporating takedowns. So I think that the safe type of approach makes the long shot kind of punt play of Rob Font a little less appealing. You want to know what the weirdest part about this fight card is? Hmm. There's not one Tennessee fighter on the card. We got anybody really from Tennessee? No, there's no one from Tennessee on this card. What fighters in the UFC are from Tennessee? I know, like... Trevor Peak, like- uh, your, your boy Nate the Train. We know you love you some Nate the Train. Nate I the did. Train, baby. I still like him, but man, he looked awful last time. Yeah, um, you got some guys who, uh, I mean, obviously OSP. Um, I'm not sure if OSP still in the UFC or not. I don't know. They might, they might have cut him. Uh, but they, there's, there's some guys there in Tennessee. Uh, Chan, Michael Chandler actually has a gym now in Tennessee. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're aware that he has a, a gym there in Nashville. I didn't know that. Interesting. I've, yeah, I, I, I honestly feel really bad for Michael Chandler right now. Me too, man. He's getting hosed. Guy, guy is going to probably waste. A year of his career waiting for Connor to mm-hmm. do whatever Connor. I, of Connor I'm really questioning does Connor ever fight again? I, I really question it. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't need to. That's the issue. You know what I mean? Like people, people decide not to fight for less. So, and he he's got everything that he wants. So, yeah, I, and yeah, until he enters you saw a drug testing pool, I just don't believe he's going to fight. I think the likelihood of him fighting Gaethje is higher than him fighting Chandler because there's actually something at the end of it. Like he, he mentioned it, but like capturing the BMF title and then rematching Nate for you know, like, he's all talk though, but I, I respect the hell out of Connor, but like he's got a million plans and, and zero execution within the past couple of years. Yeah. I, 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 I just feel bad for Michael. I, I really do feel bad. Yeah. By the and, way, I don't know. I don't know if you uh, you saw the stare down yesterday between Jake Paul and, and Nate Diaz. Did you notice who was right in the middle of that? And I'm guessing he must be involved with Nate Diaz in some way. Rich, Rich Chow. Chow. Yeah, yeah I, saw, I, I, I know. Saw I know. There, I've I've heard some nuggets about Rich Chow recently, but uh, I, I, I thought like that was Rich. pretty interesting. Also, Ooh, Mike Mike Hogan's there too, and and Mike back I, in the uh, Mike back in the day actually uh, rep Nate Diaz. Yeah, I didn't see Mike, but uh, you know I, I noticed it from from Mike's uh, Instagram. Yeah, I, I've dealt with Rich a lot, and Rich has always been really good to me with Bellator. So uh, he's a good guy. So I, I saw that, and I was like, "That's really interesting." Yeah, and, and you pointed out, obviously Jake cut, had to cut a little bit of weight to uh, make weight. Yeah, he was a little he was a little uh, shaky on the scale. Um, if we were talking about weigh-ins, we had Bazookia missing by half a point, uh, uh, half a pound. And then we had Damon Jackson looking a little uh, unstable on the scale while he was flexing as well. So something to note, but it's really common, guys. Like, you know, a lot of these guys are just cutting a tremendous amount of weight, and now you're making them 
talk, flex, all that instead of rehydrating mm-hmm. first. So I, when, I'm not looking too – he didn't look horrible to me. It's just a little off balance. We've seen Michael Chandler be off balance stepping onto a scale in the past too. So There have been times where I've been at weigh-ins and you look at some fighters and you're going, oof. But yeah. now – but it's also one of these things with these – you know, the fact that you now have – essentially a day and a half to rehydrate. I mean, cause, yeah. cause think about it, you know what? I think the first fight tomorrow is at six o'clock. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm pretty sure Nashville's East coast time it might be central time. Uh, I think it's East coast time. Um, but you have so much time to rehydrate and the fact, and now you've got all the PI people that are there that yeah. they literally hand the fighter and a you. bag mm-hmm. of stuff to help them rehydrate. But also, you know, this as well, there's a right way to rehydrate, and there can be a wrong way to rehydrate. Oh yeah, by Absolutely. putting too you much fluid in your in your system yeah. too quickly. Yeah, because that's what happens is people just pound pound fluids like crazy, and you got to get salt back in your system. That's like people always look at my method of putting weight back on, and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's like you you guys don't necessarily well, know what's what's your method." But like uh, tons of different things, like. While I'm sitting there waiting, because a lot of times you don't, people don't realize, like you got a lot of paperwork and you got a lot of stuff mm-hmm. after the weigh-ins too. So like just snacking on pretzels, just snacking okay. on pretzels, getting that salt intake, helping you while while I am drinking. But like making sure that you're getting something like that rather than just like guzzling down liquids you're just going to, you know, excrete out anyways. So you, you have to get that salt in your body. Yeah, yeah, I, I've I've seen various ways, and I mean I. The, the one thing I, I would never forget, and I don't know why this always sticks in my mind, is Shell Sonnen would just chug a can of Coke after every weigh-in. I remember was, that. that was, and, like, he just chugged it so quick. I was like, wow. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, it's that's something to take into consideration is look at the weigh-ins, look at the, the face-off, see if somebody looks like they have an injury. But I try not to read too much into that and go, go more on – you know, fight film and all of that leading up to a fight breakdown. But it's just things to take into consideration. Um, But, yeah, all in all, Jason, it should be a solid card. There's money to be made, and there are tournaments for us to take down. If you guys appreciated our show today, if you can hit that like button, get us over 100 likes, that would be greatly appreciated. If you can subscribe to the channel, help us grow the channel from 700 subscribers to 1,000 subscribers. That is the goal. If you are looking to, you know – Support the channel and and get merch from our merch store. Today is the last day for the first wave, so please don't hesitate. Click the link in our bio, in addition to the Discord link, and join the community. Thank you, guys. And let's finish on, on this question. That just came in from mm-hmm. CA Premium. He says you got to think the main event is a must. There's two there's two ways to look at that, Pete. And I, I think the the one way to look at it is, yeah, I mean. The likelihood of it being optimal, I think, is a decent percentage. But I think it's also a relation to the type of contest you're playing, how many entries you have in that contest, saying yep. saying it's a multi-entry or if it's a single entry. It, it all based on contest. But I understand why you would have the mentality that of it being a must. But also, I, I look at other aspects of saying, you know what, I don't want to get too much of it. Yeah, I, I say it's a not a must, but a majority. So a majority of my lineups are, are going to include Suarez or Sanhagen or possibly both. But uh, you have to always leave a chunk out of the pie of excluding that in, in hopes of taking down 
the tournament. So, uh, you know, sometimes 100% going, you know, super aggressive on fights is great, but also, you know, getting equal exposure that the field is getting in certain moments, it makes a ton of sense as well. No doubt about it. Of course, we appreciate it. As Pete said, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the Fight HQ Podcast. Of course, uh, if you want to hear the audio version of the show, it is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. So you can check it out on the podcasting platforms if that's your way to take in the show. Of course, uh, if you're watching this after the fact and you leave a comment, myself or Pete will get to those comments after the show is over. So we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the Fight HQ Podcast. <laughs>